welcome to the Saxo Market Call podcast. It is Monday, and my name is as always Soren Also, and since it's Monday, it also means that I am joined by you, Charu Chanana, all the way from Singapore. Hi, Charu. Hi, Soren. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. So, Charu, today we're gonna talk about a little bit of different things. We're gonna talk some FOMC minutes from last week. Some Fed Fed talks uh, revolving that we're also gonna touch a little bit on China, uh, and then obviously since you are uh, very smart when it comes to FX, we're also gonna discuss that at the end. But uh, yeah, I guess that's yeah, are you uh, are you ready to go? Because then I think we should just jump into it. Yeah, I totally am. I guess it'll be interesting for our listeners to take that attention away a little bit from Nvidia and back to macro and FX and uh, see what's happening there. Yeah, it definitely has been a few uh, weeks with a lot of focus on on earnings and maybe to some extent at least a, a, li- a bit lesser attention on macro. But as you say, probably we're gonna we're gonna revolve or, or revert back to 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 a macro focus. Um, from here on out, even though there are still some earnings there. But uh, if we just stick to last week, we still had some interesting uh, things happening in the macro scene. And we had these FOMC minutes, which are basically a, a meeting uh, review or the description of the review. And we also had some Fed talk, uh, uh, Fed, Fed members talking. What Could you give us just a rundown of what happened there and what, uh, what response was in the market? I mean, to be fair, I would say FOMC minutes really didn't move a needle, you know, as we kind of just started this whole conversation last week was um, all about micro and NVIDIA and AI, I think. Um, um, so because of that, the whole macro narrative was a little bit a little bit um, on the sidelines, really. Uh, we did get a lot of pushback, um, again, to Fed's uh, easing expectations. I think particularly the one to highlight would be uh, what we heard from Waller, uh, one of the Fed members, who's actually quite a respected voice in the committee. Um, on Friday, he talked about being patient um, on rate cut expectations after that jump higher in uh, U.S. CPI for January as well. So I think we've heard a pretty consistent narrative across the you know, uh, Fed committee, uh, one that is kind of obviously um, of caution and of data dependency. Um, and uh, even if you, you know, look at the, the labor data or the growth numbers, you know, jobless claims as well last week, they were again uh, pretty supportive of that growth or resilience picture, I should say. Uh, so we haven't obviously gotten any indication in data as well to uh, kind of really spell um, an urgent need for rate cuts. Uh, But what all this has really meant is that uh, markets are now um, not even fully pricing in a June rate cut. Uh, so, So that's a bit uh, of a stretch, I would say. That is a bit too pessimistic. And um, what that means is that uh, this week and you know, f- going forward from here, uh, the bar for really any further hawkish repricing will be a little bit high, uh, you know, because we have really closed the gap in terms of market expectations um, uh, and the December dot plot, what that showed us. So once that gap is closed, you don't want to be 
you know any more in terms of uh, you know your market pricing you don't want to be any more hawkish at this stage because certainly there are growth risks to the economy certainly there's geopolitics at play us elections coming our way as well uh, so uh, i think the in that sense the the pce number that we get in the us this week will be particularly important uh, so pce is the the measure of inflation that the fed really watches closely the core pce number is something that the fed is really sensitive to and uh, i would say that indications um, you know taking from cpi from the producer prices as well uh there is reason to believe that the pce number can also continue to come in hot um you know but again there is a there is a sense that there were seasonal effects at play in those hot cpi and ppi numbers uh which could really make it a little bit more difficult to kind of clearly bring that interpretation to pce and say that yes pce will be higher as well so um i think really that's that's the key thing for markets uh, this week we do get again a lot of fed speak as well uh, but I, as i said you know we are getting a very consistent tone there so unless we have a more prominent speaker uh, saying something um, a little bit more aggressive uh, i don't think the markets will bring attention back to macro in a big way at least to us macro in a big way i should say uh, but if this pce number i would say the uh, i mean of course the market's going to be extremely sensitive to it but the bigger surprise really will be if this number is not as high as it is expected to be i think the sensitivity on that is uh, on on a on a downside surprise is a little bit more at this point because the markets are positioned for a hot pce number uh but if we you know do get um things in line with what we've seen since the start of the year a hot nfp hot cpi hot ppi if we do get again something in continuation uh from that i think the the focus really shifts to some of the other numbers you know we are also getting the second print of q4 gdp this year uh, we need to watch for you know just in case there is a downward revision uh, there as well does that spell concerns for the growth side of the economy we get consumer confidence and of course we get those weekly jobless claims numbers as well so we need to continue to watch for these numbers whether they are kind of throwing in any sense of caution around here as well so so in terms of the fed there's been a lot of discussion about first we talked about rate cuts now we i, I wouldn't necessarily say we talk about rate hikes because we don't but at least the rate cut discussion has been moved out uh, a fair bit if this pce number turns out to be less hot uh, or or maybe even disappoint uh or i don't really know if that that's the right word for pce but if if it comes in lower than expected do do you think that mm. that that how how do you think that will will sort of frame the market sentiment and and also the discussions in the fed you know like i said i think there's been so much pushback that we are not even pricing in a june rate cut fully now i think that's a bit aggressive so we could obviously see depending on how big that miss is uh, we could see those rate cut expectations being brought forward to either fully price in a june rate cut but also to me right i mean what the fed has fed members have been saying so far is that they are 
probably not ready to start as early as, or as March. But uh, I think May or June is still a real possibility and the market's not pricing that, that in. So um, I think a softer than expected inflation print will certainly kind of be a continuation of the disinflation theme. It will continue to be um, to send um, a real rate um, scare to the markets as well, because as inflation continues to go down, your real rates are continuing to expand as well, which means that um, the more in more uh, interest rate sensitive sectors of the economy will be hurt by that. Uh, so certainly, again, that sends a signal that the Fed needs to start cutting rates uh, faster. Yeah, and and add to that that we have a U.S. election in uh, November, and uh, at, at least sort of what what uh, most experts say is that the Fed don't want to postpone it too much because they don't mm. want it to play a part in 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 the campaigning that we're going to see in late summer. Yep. Yeah, they don't want to be certainly seen as you know elections being driving the rate cut cycle. It has to to for for the Fed to really justify its independence. They have to, you know, just kind of make sure that the markets continue to believe that the rate cut is coming on the back of the economic uh, outlook. Yes, and that justification might even have been even more important over the last five, eight years, where where probably that has been more questioned than it was in the past. But uh, yeah, and I think yeah, that focus will also continue to grow, right? Because as we see, you know, now with uh, Trump kind of. Um, getting uh, through the, the 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 South Carolina as well, that markets will start to you know price in that Trump presidency at some points as he's getting closer and closer to that nomination now. So again, that is obviously a big risk for central bank independence, and um, I think that will put even more pressure in the markets at least to kind of start pricing in an earlier start of rate cuts, I should say. Let's uh, let's jump on because I'm sure we could talk about this all day. But uh, I know I know that uh, China has also been something that we've been discussing here in the studio, and you've also been writing about it on on numerous occasions. Uh, China has had a, a really hard time uh, in the in the last few months, but we saw sort of a, a quite impressive reversal last week. What uh, what happened, and 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 what why why did it happen? I think that's probably the more interesting question. Yeah, and whether it can continue or not, I think that sounds certainly something that uh, most uh, most clients and you know media is actually looking to get an answer to. But yes, I mean, I think there was a lot uh, to cheer for the China markets last week when they really returned from that new lunar New Year holiday. Um, so uh, first of all, we had a positive set of data on lunar New Year travel and spending uh, to start that week, and uh, then we also got um, a bigger than expected rate cut on the five-year loan prime rate in China. Uh, it was a 25 basis points rate cuts, whereas I think the markets were only positioned for about a 10 basis points rate cut. Uh, so that was a very clear move to kind of support the housing market. Uh, and then we got more and more efforts from Beijing uh, to stabilize the markets as well. So these had actually started even before the Lunar New Year holiday, and they continued last week as well. 
So there was, I think, a slew of uh, factors that kind of helped. But I think more importantly, it is really just the positioning in the China markets um, has been, it, it's been so uh, poor, right, that um, market participants are just waiting for an excuse to kind of, you know, get back into the Chinese markets. Uh, so uh, I think that was that is one of the factors that really drove uh, a lot of upside also last week. Uh, but I would say, you know, none of these um, measures that we saw last week kind of really address the structural issues that China faces. Even if we look at that loan prime rate cut, which is actually aimed at the property sector, which is one of the biggest pain points in the Chinese economy right now, the problem is still more on the demand and the confidence side. And the, a rate cut there can only do as much, right? So uh, I, I don't see any of these measures being really changing anything on, you know, the, the structural issues that China faces, be it uh, obviously the property sector, but also be it, you know, demographics or productivity. None of that is really being addressed as of now. So there could be reasons to believe that the rally can continue. Like I said, you know, there's a lot of momentum at play here. There's a lot of FOMO at play here. Um, so I think more and more people could continue to get involved in the China markets again. Um, and then there's also uh, some amount of anticipation ahead of the National People's Congress that uh, is commencing next week on Tuesday, March the 5th. So, I mean, you know, obviously uh, a lot of participants want to look at what kind of uh, measures come out of that, what kind of an economic growth target comes out of that meeting as well. Uh, so I think there could be a little bit more of this, um, you know, tactical rally continuing. But if we continue to see this lack of structural measures, uh, my sense is that this FOMO buying will kind of hit a snag at some point in the next few weeks. Um, there is obviously a higher pain threshold, but uh, if you do not get policy support um, that you know, investors are waiting for, I think uh, the amount of involvement that we will get uh, in the China markets will be limited, will be speculative and tactical, not really, uh, you know, a long-term uh, investments getting back. Um, and on the contrary, you do see, again, what we uh, the other market in Asia, which has been very, very interesting, is the Japan market, where the rally last week extended to uh, fresh record highs. And uh, we continued from there again this morning as well in Asia, uh, despite the fact that the Japan economy is in a technical recession. But you do have those structural tailwinds coming from corporate governance reforms or even from uh, geopolitics that are actually benefiting Japan at the expense of China. So uh, I think, you know, these structural measures are more important than really how the economy is doing or what kind of short-term band-aid measures we continue to get from China this week as well. Yeah, so the message is really to still watch out, uh, especially if you invest on a just a slightly longer-term uh, horizon than, than, let's say, a week or so. Hmm. All right. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, we need to kind of wait for more structural supportive uh, policies to kind of jump on to the China markets in a more structural way as well. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to follow because obviously it has a it has a tremendous impact on on everything in the global economy uh, when China is struggling the way they are. Um, 
Charu, let's uh, let's jump into the final point and uh, let's talk a little bit about FX, which is uh, obviously one of your uh, areas of expertise. Um, as as you, as you've also written to me that that it's kind of interesting that last week we actually even saw in the FX market. If you follow financial markets, last week you would know that everybody t- talked about Nvidia, and it's actually also yeah. something that um, that affected uh, FX markets or, or or pushed the dollar down uh, f- further down, right? Or pushed it down. Uh, but but what now? Now we're kind of over these earnings, as we also alluded to um, pre- previously. So where does that leave us when it comes to to the U.S. dollar? Yeah, I mean, it's scary to really think about how much of the world is really driven by this one single company. But it is what it is, I would I would think. Yeah, we got that uh, NVIDIA momentum, AI momentum kind of impacting the FX markets through the risk channels, really. So last week, we did see um, a lot of these risk on kind of currencies, the activity currencies also, as we say, you know, Kiwi dollar, Aussie dollar, even the Swedish krona. All of them did uh, relatively better than the safe haven currencies, something like the Japanese yen or the Swiss franc. But yes, you're right. Dollar was also down for the first time in the last five weeks. And um, I think part of that, like we noted earlier, right, it was um, basically uh, that pushback that continued to come from uh, Fed speakers and a little bit further or dovish repricing that we saw in uh, the Fed expectations. Um, um, but I think it was also the fact that uh, dollar is also a safe haven. And we were in such a risk-on environment last week because of this AI rally that uh, the dollar got hurt because of that. I think, um, yeah, I think this week, like we said, right, the focus shifts a little bit more towards macro. Uh, but I uh, I have a hard time really seeing where the dollar goes from here. I would say, you know, some somewhere, um, you know, sideways to a little bit higher, especially if we do see that uh, C- uh, PCE print coming in hot again. Um, but I think my focus has really moved away from the dollar. You know, the dollar has um both upside and downside supportive factors right downside you have this uh, rate cuts are coming story but on the upside you have that geopolitics is certainly one key factor which drives safe haven demand dollars still it offers a very attractive carry uh so there's it's really hard to short dollar at this point uh, so where do you go so i'm actually just looking at uh you know more of uh, the other fx crosses really or any singular drivers in the FX markets that could be there. I think one such driver for this week particularly will be uh, the meeting of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand on Wednesday, where um, you know the consensus is uh, that of no change in interest rates, but there are actually some big banks that are calling for a rate hike which is quite a contrast, right, to where we are in this global rate cycle where we are debating when can we start the the rate cuts, really, for most of the other G10 central banks, except, of course, Bank of Japan. Uh, But, I mean, I think New Zealand has um, a peculiar case where they've seen a spike in immigration levels and that that is making uh, the inflation quite sticky. And on top of that, the tolerance to inflation is quite low as uh, judged from uh, recent uh, commentaries coming out of uh, the RBNZ uh, uh, um, members and especially the chairman as well. Uh, So even if a rate hike really sounds like a stretch, um, although I would highlight that, you know, RBNZ is not the one who 
tends to follow the global trends. They usually chalk their own path. In 2022, also, we had RBNZ really being the first mover to kind of uh, start hiking rates by 50 basis points. So um, I would say even though a rate hike is a low probability, it is not something we can completely ignore. Um, and even if they don't hike rates, I would think that the market will buy in their hawkish commentary. They will most likely push back on rate cut expectations and a lot of other central banks are doing that right but the market does not buy it i think for the case of rbnz there is scope that the market will buy into that hawkish commentary as well uh, so i think that is um, a, a good setup although i would again highlight here that um, uh, a lot of this has already been priced into the kiwi dollar and the long positioning for the kiwi dollar is also making me a little bit more jittery about its path in the short term uh, but again, on a on a medium term basis, I do continue to see uh, more upside for Kiwi dollar, particularly because um, you know RBNZ is likely to be uh, joining the rate cut cycle later. But also because Kiwi dollar provides also a very good carry, it is providing one of the best carry in the G10 space. Um, and if you expect that the Fed will start cutting rates uh, somewhere in the middle of the year, but not RBNZ, then those carry interests kind of shift from the US dollar also to the Kiwi dollar. So like I said, I would rather look at crosses here, maybe something like Kiwi yen or Kiwi franc. They could be particularly interesting, especially if that risk on momentum also kind of continues. And that means that safe haven currencies like Japanese yen and Swiss franc could continue to suffer as well. Uh, the other interesting thing to watch in the FX markets, I would think, is the euro. Um, I think there's, you know, there's a sense that there is increasing nervousness um, in the commentaries uh, coming out of ECB, uh, especially from President uh, Lagarde there. So on Friday, there were some comments saying that she's happy with the progress uh, in Q4 wages. And if the same continues in Q1 as well, then that will be very good news. And she was also actually asked if the ECB could move ahead of the Fed, to which she said that the ECB is independent. So that's a kind of a hint that um, they are, are probably you know, paving the way for an earlier start of rate cuts as well. Uh, so Lagarde speaks again today. I think that will be particularly interesting for uh, Euro traders. And um, then we get you know, a lot, lot of other data as well. We get the Eurozone credit data out tomorrow and also the February inflation print out on Thursday for, I think, Germany and Spain, and then followed up by the, by the regional number on Friday. I think these will be important signals for Euro and for European bonds as well this week. So if uh, anyone out there is to pay attention to the FX markets in the coming week, the New Zealand dollar and the euro are the two most interesting in, in your mind. Is that correct, uh, Charo? Sounds like that, but uh, the <laughs> FX markets can continue to still throw up surprises. So yes. let's be on watch for that as well. Yeah, and I'm sure you're going to pay attention to all of them. That's usually what you what yeah. you do, right? Charo, I, I, <laughs> yeah, please. I've reached the end of uh, my note paper. Do, is there anything that uh, we've omitted that you you want to quickly discuss before we say uh, say goodbye? I guess we covered uh, it quite well, uh, Soren. 
then there is nothing more for me to say than uh, as always thank you so much for joining me and i know that you are going to travel later this week so i just want to wish you a safe travel charu and to all of you thank out you soren i'm still looking forward to that I'm sure it's gonna be fun and to all of you out there thank you so much for listening we will be back anytime soon on behalf of everybody here at saxo and the saxo market call happy trading <laughs>